Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. To say it's a party to be an understatement here at the Back Nine Golf and Entertainment Center <laughs> as the fan on the Back Nine Golf outing continues. Jimmy Cook, James Boyd here on the third floor of the Back Nine. In case you are listening live to us here within the back nine, just a reminder, plenty of prize packages galore that you can bid on a part of the silent auction taking place today. James, I was skimming through some of it yesterday during the show. You think of any great sporting event here in the state of Indiana, there's a VIP package you could be a part of. Just a couple of steps to our left here at the Back Nine Golf Entertainment Center. I'm talking Colts VIP packages, Pacers VIP packages, and an IMS VIP package that pretty much covers the entire month of May. Wait, so there's no Jimmy Cook VIP package? <laughs> there's no Jimmy do, Cook do VIP. Do I have that right now? I, I, you do. You, you're getting it. You're getting the full-fledged experience. Speaking of a VIP experience, it's always a VIP experience when we have our next guest on the show, and that is, of course, the man himself, Greg Rakestraw. You know him on the Colts Radio Network, as well as the vice president of ISC Sports Network, voice of the Indy 11 and so much more. High School Friday Night begins for Rake here in a couple hours from now. We'll get to that a little bit later. We'll start Colts first. Rake, first off, how you doing on a Friday? And second off, takeaways from joint practices, my friend. Takeaways from joint practices is, again, you know, the, the obvious thing sticks out as an injury. Uh, and, and that's not just because of joint practices. That's just because of it's a timeline. You know, if somebody's going to get hurt during the course of training camp, you are not going to go through training camp without losing somebody to injury that is of value to you. Uh, and so, sad to see Ashton Doolin go. Uh, sorry that, uh, you know, it looks like maybe some offensive line issues could play havoc in terms of Anthony Richardson getting reps or not getting reps in tomorrow night's game with a couple of guys. Additionally, it's a Braden Smith being banged up along the offensive line. But the fact that the Colts were simply a little more competitive, and I realize the Bears aren't exactly a high bar at this point, but there were some telltale signs last year that, hey, the Colts are starting to kind of hang with the Lions. This may not be the team that we had anticipated. You didn't see that the last couple of days. So, so big picture, I think that's the best news for the Colts. I think one of the things that I always like to talk to you about, Greg, is what you see from the youth of that team. You know, you've been around football for a long time. So what do you think of the youth of the defensive backs in particular and maybe your impressions of what they're going to be in store for when the season starts? You know, from the defensive backfield for the Colts, that, that is obviously when, when you have a quarterback derby, which has now been settled, and now have a new quarterback period, all of your attention goes to them. Then when you have a player like Shaquille Leonard, who has been so impaired by injuries the last couple of years, all your attention goes to him. Then you have Jonathan Taylor's situation. So in other words, the things that we would normally look for in a training camp, we really haven't that much in terms of, hey, what's, what's a position that's a big question mark? Well, clearly it's a defensive backfield. Or, hey, who is that player that has kind of popped in camp? Who is the guy that nobody's talking about that's going to make the roster? If, if you ask me to say who that guy was, Saguna Luby is the guy that I would point to that just seems to be where the football is at as he had six tackles in the game against Buffalo on Saturday. I have been pleasantly surprised by what I have seen from the defensive back suit field so far because they are so stinking young. Um, you know, what caught my attention, JB, when I was out there with you Tuesday morning, 
you know, it was the fact that the fact that Daryl Baker's getting the starting reps right now at a corner over Juju Brent's your second round pick. Now, obviously, Juju missed a couple of weeks in terms of training camp, and maybe he wrestles that job away at some point in time over the next couple of weeks or at some point in time during the season. But in the limited amount of reps that we have seen from the defensive backfield, they have not looked overwhelmed, which is a good problem to have. And now that you get guys like Thomas and Blackman back in practice this week, maybe, just maybe, what is the area of concern along that defense, maybe they're a little further along than we gave them credit for going into training camp. He's Greg Rakestraw with us here on the Fan Midday Show. Greg, it's so tough to figure out what's fair based on sample size evaluation in today's training camp slash preseason outlook because of the lack of the extra preseason game and also coaches having different emphasis on what matters more to them, joint practices or these preseason games. Specifically with the offensive line, how would you say the the best takeaway should be from their performance through all of the time that we saw of them, not just in joint practices, but how they grow and how you saw Tony Sperano's hands-on approach with this throughout training camp? Well, you know, the proof's going to be in the pudding. You know, it's going to be September 10th and 17th and 24th, etc. The biggest thing to think this group had going for them over the first, say, two and a half, three weeks camp was the fact that it was the same five guys. You know, that it was Ryman and Nelson and Kelly and Fries and Smith. Obviously, that's been affected, you know, over the course of the last week and a half, you know, two weeks or so. I I, I don't think there's things that are long-term of that group uh, that you're kind of concerned with at this point. Um, and, And there generally has been a consensus that, hey, the offensive line played better towards the back half of the season than they did in the front half of the season. I don't think it was good enough at any point in time last year. But there is something to be said of consistency and continuity. So there are things you can point to, like did the Colts run the ball well against the Bills last Saturday? Not much. Are you really going to learn about how well they ran the ball and watched them play the Bears in joint practices? Maybe more than a regular practice, but still not much. It's simply put going to be one of those things that we will figure out on the fly coming up on Sunday afternoon, September the 10th. That's when we will legitimately have an answer. Is this offensive line closer to what they were in 2019-2020, or are they the group that was um, severely overrated and very much underperforming for much of the 2022 season? Rake, what's been your impression of Josh Downs? I believe he's actually been one of the people, one of the topics with this team that you haven't, you know, had to be concerned about because of how good he's looked. And although he might be not that tall in stature, a guy just seems to make plays. So what do you think of his, you know, first impressions of him also and his fit with Anthony Richardson? You know, I'm, I'm curious to see kind of how he and McKenzie split reps. Because obviously the, the, the base formation largely for the Colts has been, and it's most teams in the National Football League today, these days, three wide, one tight, one back. And obviously you've got a running threat now in the quarterback, duh, in Anthony Richardson. And so I almost kind of think that you're going to see almost a job share between you know McKenzie and Downs. 
So, you know, what sort of impact does Downs have? Because I like what McKenzie has, has, has done so far in terms of training camp. And honestly, as, as JB, as you well know, you know, the ones have been pretty much every time, Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce, Isaiah McKenzie, and Downs will come in and spell him for a few series. So I like what I have seen from Downs so far. He's going to get some reps. He may end up being the, the primary punt returner, maybe even kick returner for this team. So I'm not sure you want to put Dallas Flowers back there as, as a starting cornerback. So Dallas may have to make more of an impact as a return man early. I think he is going to be a, 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 a every few series type of player at the start because of what we've seen from Isaiah McKenzie so far. Absolutely. I thought Isaiah McKenzie had one heck of a play with the juke and, and, and got pretty open down the field during one of those joint practices. And I was like, that was a play of the day. But with Josh Downs, I also want to know, just getting to know him a li- at least a little bit and seeing the way he carries himself, how much do you think that confidence, you know, just helps the group when you have a guy who doesn't doubt himself at all, at least when I've talked to him? That's the wider receiver position, isn't it? That's the, that's the confidence that every guy seemingly has to have, you know, in, in the National Football League. So let's face it, there is some, timing is a big part of life, all right? And, and even on the job, you know, if, if you're coming at the same time as the new boss, that's usually a good thing for you because there's going to be that, that immediate connection that is there. So the fact that, that he and Anthony are going to be rookies together, you hope that is a long-term connection. I think Downs is a guy that will be an impact player immediately. Is he going to be a star in the National Football League? I, I don't know. I'm not saying he's not. I don't know that at this point. But is he, a, is he a guy that needs to be an impact player for this football team in 2023? I absolutely think that's the case. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. He's Greg Rakeshaw with us here on the Fan Midday Show. Rake, James had brought this up earlier, but he had mentioned, and, and I don't blame him anytime you're out at Colts camp, you should most definitely do this, is try to pen the mind whenever you can of Coach Rick Venturi. You and Matt Taylor both have the opportunity to be able to work with him in a multitude of different facets yourself with the preseason coverage. What has been the reaction from both of you in the booth with seeing the step-by-step process? Again, I'm not trying to put the cart before the horse, Rake, but just of the opportunity that's in front of Anthony Richardson. You know, I mean, we, we saw both the good and the bad, you know, last Saturday in the game against Buffalo. Uh, and so, you know, the throw that was the interception, you know, immediately Isaiah McKenzie said, hey, that's my fault. I know Reggie was getting into Isaiah over on the sideline. Um, even if, if Isaiah ran the wrong route, that's probably a ball that Anthony will know, hey, let me get rid of that one going forward. Let me chuck that into section 116. I try to force it and make a play. But for all of the other things that Anthony did, to me it was the throw to Granson because the linebacker is there. And I have forgotten which Buffalo Bills linebacker was at this point, but his hand is seemingly an inch away from the football. And by the time he reacted, Richardson threw such a fastball that that ball was by him. And I think that's what you see – in so many rookie quarterbacks, like you see flashes, and I think that's especially going to be the case with Anthony Richardson this year because he is simply so young, both in terms of actual age, but so green in terms of experience. Because let's face it, 
The athleticism package is there. That is obvious, okay? The intangible package seems to be there. And when you have that, you go, this kid's going to be a surefire winner. We don't know that because of his lack of experience. I thought for all the reasons to trot him out in, in week number one, knowing seemingly the one thing he's missing is experience, how do you get him experience? You play him. And so going into this season, I thought the training camp you know, was all about if he doesn't look overwhelmed, he's your starting quarterback. That's why I was surprised but not surprised that Shane made that announcement on Tuesday morning. It was, hey, this is clearly the direction this is going. Let's get him all the reps with the ones right now. A month out, this is going to be the guy. So are there going to be mistakes? Absolutely. Are there going to be jaw-dropping moments? Absolutely. We saw both of those in the combination of three series last Saturday up in Buffalo. Um, I think the kid can play. He's going to make mistakes, but the best way for him to figure it out is to learn on the job, and that's what the Colts have set him up to do uh, starting on September the 10th. To your point, I do think that Anthony Richardson has shown a lot of really good decision-making. You know, unlike a lot of young quarterbacks, he usually gets to that second read. He's not, you know, panicking where he's just like, first read, throw it. But, you know, to talk about another quarterback in that room who obviously wants to be the starter, worked hard to be the starter, but isn't the starter, Gardner Minshew. Rick, what do you think of the way he's carried himself and maybe just the professionalism and really the support, the outward support of being Anthony's backup that Gardner has shown that other you know, backups might not show to their counterparts in the league? Well, you, you said the key word, and I will shorten it three letters. He's been a pro. Um, and just kind of a, a, a habit of mine, there's always a, a, a quote or an action or a statement that I try to attribute to, like, so many people I work with. Now, one of my former colleagues at Emmis, one of the thing that always stuck with me, like the ultimate compliment somebody could pay you, is that thanks for being a pro. You're a pro. And that is exactly what Gardner Minshew is. He gets kind of where he is, and, and when, when he is signed, even before the draft, he knows at four the Colts are drafting a quarterback. We weren't exactly sure which one they were going to take, but he knew that his responsibility was to be ready if at the beginning of the year if the new guy wasn't ready to go. And so I'm sure he can see himself in the first three weeks of training camp. This is going well for Richardson. That means it's not going well for my chances of starting. So what is the team paying me to do? The team is paying me to be a mentor. The team is paying me to be prepared. The team is paying for me to be a great teammate. And that is all of the things he has done to this point. He is exactly what the Colts needed to bring the young kid along. Break. last thing before we let you go. It is finally back. Friday Night Lights across the state of Indiana. I know you're just as excited as James and I are. Where will the cavalcade of ISC hard workers be tonight? <laughs> and also, what are you most looking forward to in the 2023 campaign of IHSAA high school football? Well, as far as ISC is concerned, our primary game is Fort Wayne Snyder at Warren Central. That's the game that I have uh, tonight. Kickoff is a little bit later at 7.30. We'll do a half-hour pregame special at 7 uh, on ISC and, and my Indy TV tonight. We've also got a crew at, at North Montgomery, North Putnam. Uh, we've got a crew at, at Pendleton Heights in Lebanon. We've got a crew at Speedway. got a crew at Clinton Prairie. So we have 
do the quick math, uh, four different games covered uh, by the ISC cavalcade of stars uh, throughout the course of uh, the area tonight. So, um, that being said, you know, I think the storylines are in 6A. Can Center Grove make it a four-peat? You know, only Warren Central has done that in terms of the largest classification. Back with that was 5A from 2003-2006. Can Lutheran and Chatard locally kind of keep that going in terms of, of, of recent dominance for Lutheran, historical dominance of 3A as far as Chatard is concerned? You know, the classes I think that are largely kind of open are kind of 2A and 5A at, at this point. Um, but but it's it's so early in the season, um, a lot of the storylines will start to play themselves out over the next three, four, five weeks. Is it always goes very quickly from week one to week nine, and then tournament time in Indiana coming up in late October. Well, Ray, thanks for uh, taking the time to talk to us. We'll catch up with you next time. And just for me personally, man, have fun. Congrats on another, another, starting up another high school season. As I tell you all the time, high school football, high school sports in Indiana changed my life. So I'm a little bit jealous that I'm not out there anymore with you or running into you. But have fun, my friend. Thanks, buddy. How are you, how are you guys swinging a bat nine today? You guys like sitting turns in clubs and stuff like that? <laughs> well, James already had a trial op earlier this week, and it was he not was good. not proud of himself, and I told him mine's not much better. So we, we've been just, just hanging out out back and uh, being observers, right? people watching. <laughs> Someone that has been to back nine a couple of times, as long as you don't hit the horse barn to the right, you're okay. Just try not to hit the horses. You'll be fine. Okay. That's good advice to live by. I appreciate that, Ray. There you go. That is Greg Regstraw. You know him well on the Colts Radio Network here on 93.5107.5. The fan care for one of the many Colts Radio Network affiliates. Post-game action there. Vice President of the ISC Sports Network. Voice of the Indy 11 and a proud member of the IHSAA Champions Network. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. <laughs> Welcome back. Back Nine Golf and Entertainment Center for the fan on the Back Nine. Jimmy Cook, James Boyd. For the fan midday show. This just for the YouTube audience, I thought for a second we were just going to treat this like it was just a normal phone call interview, and we were going to have you off to the side, <laughs> because I didn't know if the camera would be able to get the full wide yeah, shot, but this it's is nice. It's got all uh-huh. three of us. Shout out to Nick, doing a great job, as always, uh, getting us all squared away. Jimmy Cook, where do, when and where do I get that collared shirt, because I need that. This collared shirt, yeah. uh, it was a, uh, it was one of the, like you know, with the perks of the job, it was a perks of a, a little freelance action I out feel in like Las Vegas. I feel like you should be in Abu Dhabi right now for <laughs> Team USA against Greece. I, hey, look. Fran Fraschilla is one thing. James Boyd is right there with me. So, you know, I mean, that's what it's often called, though, is the Fran Fraschilla look with the uh, That is a nice USA look. Polo. You look official. I have one thing I need to get out of the way before we go Colts action. And oh, boy. I, Eddie told me this in my ear before we went on the air. So I want to preface on the front end. This is by no means a shot at anybody. And it is most certainly not a shot at JMV. I want to get that out of the way right now. JMV is right around the corner. I know he is. So I'm being very careful and kind of quiet here. Would you participate out there if you didn't have your uh, your own club? Oh yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, no, there's no chance I would ever bring my clubs to a okay. place like that. Okay, okay. No. Because no. Eddie made it seem <laughs> no. like you weren't going to participate. And maybe, I don't want to misrepresent him because he can't defend himself. Wow, yeah. But Eddie, you made it seem little... like you were a, a club guy. No, I mean, only. I, I have used the same irons I've had since I was a sophomore in high school. So, okay. I mean, I, that's, we're approaching 20 years that's on insane. that. That's um, insane. But <laughs> when you come to a place like this, you got to use their own yeah. clubs. I mean, let's be real here. This isn't, you know, I mean, the golf balls are not real golf. You know, sure, I mean, it's, 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 yeah, it's just, half of what's inside there is just a sure, tracker to sure. be able to. See, so, I, thought um, a, I thought your competitive nature in you would bring your own driver <laughs> in order to uh, win the longest drive competition there. And that I'm down for. Like, if that's what competitive that's what nature bringing is, out there. It is always through the roof. Uh, Kyle Knezovich, who obviously used to be in this noon to three role, um, him and I did a little long drive, but I happily used the equipment here at the back nine, and the driver worked very well for me. So I have zero complaints. Ooh. And uh, yeah, in the form of a w? I, a w, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everything going to charity, of course. Sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Kyle was chirping. We just had to make sure to put him in place. <laughs> yeah, talk that talk, KB. And I, talk James, talk. I feel like I've got a little Colts Bears still left in me from, from, <laughs> from last night. <laughs> Where would you rank uh, those practice skirmishes? James, well, you, you said there was a clear line between what's actually a brawl or, or versus what last Last night was. Yeah, what you was, call it in your story? I called it like scuffles, chippiness. Yeah, I call it scuffles and, you know, furniture moving, those types of things. <laughs> yeah. Nothing actually, you know, it's yo mama versus yo mama, yeah. basically. It was just a bunch of uh, testosterone. I said a lot of barking, not a lot of biting. I, a, a lot of barking, and then the bouncers come in the middle, and then everybody's good, <laughs> and basically it's assistant coaches. Yeah, I mean, the Cleveland Brown joint practices from a few years ago, Freddie Kitchens was their head coach at the time, and he, like, openly talked about, like, no, I want my guys to fight. And I was like, dude, I mean, it, it, it's just not productive. I mean, James saw it last night. It delays practice by about two or three minutes yep. every time you have one of those. Yep. So that adds up when you have a handful of them, which the Colts and Bears did have last night. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would say in the whatever, in the half dozen I've seen, not like very high up on the list. But for the most part, I mean, you got two decent days of work in. And, you know, obviously we'll see what happens tomorrow night. KB, what do you think of the way Anthony Richardson handled yesterday in particular dealing with, you know, an offensive line that isn't ideal. Obviously, they want their full offensive line, starting offensive line by the start of the season, and also not having much of a run game for the second straight day. Yeah, you know, to me, James, I might flip it and say, like, how does the offense handle Anthony Richardson? And, yeah. and, and by that, I mean this. We saw three completions for Richardson last night, mm-hmm. all three called back due to <laughs> ineligible men downfield, illegal man downfield, whatever the exact phrase is. And in a way – they've got to get used to the types of plays that Anthony Richardson is going to be running. And I think it's interesting because for guys like Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, they probably aren't used to this in the NFL, whereas right. some of these younger offensive linemen, this, that's kind of the new age of college football. I mean, it is a lot of the RPO, a lot of the zone read stuff. So I'll be curious. I know Shane Steichen was upset with the officiating a little bit, but you know that is something to continue to watch throughout the season of just like, and why I thought it was a good move, what they did on Tuesday and saying, Richardson, go in there, and for the next month, he'll get all the starting reps because his his playbook is different than Minshew's playbook. Oh, and so this offense, I think, has got to get used to, again, blocking for him. See, Patrick, a blocking for him, you know, those sorts of, like, system-type um, fundamentals, if you will, because it is such a different look than um, what it is for Gardner Minshew. But I, I guess talking specifically with Richardson, I, I thought for the most part he did a nice job protecting the football the two nights. I know he had a fumble and a scramble last night, but I didn't think he threw a lot of balls, 11 on 11 that could have been picked off, 7-on-7. Um, seven seven, he had a couple of those. But it was a kind of a typical Eberflus defense, you know, from the most part keeping everything in front of you. Um, I thought Richardson just did a decent, you know, kind of check down 
a uh, couple couple of nights of work. Do you think he's more comfortable in 11-on-11? 11 because 11? it feels like that to me. I feel like he just plays – when he plays normal football, he looks – so different to yeah. me. I know people got on Holder the other night, like, oh my gosh, your tweet, whatever. But he did not look good in 7-on-7, seven seven, and then 11-11 happens, it's like, oh, like, real football, he looks pretty good. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I, I always go back to draft night, James, when, you know, Chris Bauer and Shane Steichen walked in the room to chat with us after the pick, and if you go back and probably look at the transcript from that, they very rarely mentioned, like, what happened at the Combine. The word they used most often that night was poise. And I feel like when he gets in those 11-on-11 settings, you know, I've said this to Jimmy before, what is so impressive to me about Patrick Mahomes, the arm speaks for itself, but those eyes, they never drop. Like, whenever there's pressure in front of Patrick Mahomes, the eyes stay downfield. He continues to make that play. I think so many guys, particularly rookies, they kind of freeze up in those moments. Or, you know, he relies on his legs just to take off. And, again, I don't think Anthony does that. So um, it it is an interesting point that you bring up, James, because it does seem like – that's why I don't like to mention 7-on-7 a whole lot when I'm talking about practice because, again, it's not real, real football. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, again, I think the next part of that is just taking off the red jersey. And that's why I would like to see him play tomorrow. I mean, I I know – we didn't get clarification on that, but I, I, I don't think this is normal NFL precedent. Normal NFL precedent says if you just had joint practices and the other team is not playing their starters, you don't play your starters. I don't think the Colts can fall into that boat. I think they've got to make decisions for themselves, and I would like to see Richardson out there for a couple series. There's been a couple stories on The Athletic the last couple of weeks looking for different angles to write about on, on training camp. And one of the, the key storylines I've seen from a lot of the contenders, one from Kansas City, of course, yeah, I know, shocking that I would go that way, but is the physical demands of training camp and how they vary from coach to coach. Kind of a two-part question. You might not be able to answer the first one. Have you asked at all with Grand Park activities now being a bow put on there last night. Have you asked all the players of if there's any difference to the intensity of what training camp was like under past regimes for those that are still there? I guess the easiest comparison would be Reich to Steichen. And if not, have you noticed a difference now that camp is behind you on uh, the level of, of demand that was asked of the players by comparison to the last two coaches? Yeah, that's a good question. That's probably something I should ask a few more players on. I would say my own two eyes observation would be a little shorter practices, but I'd say like intensity level is a little bit more there. Um, I would say the thing that I've noticed with Steichen, and honestly, we saw this Saturday in Buffalo, they use a lot of tempo. Like Richardson and even Gardner Minshew both, there was a lot of tempo out of huddles in between plays. And it was surprising to me that they showed that as much as they did Saturday in Buffalo. I thought that would be one of those wrinkles they'd want to save for the season. So, um, again, practice times, I mean, there were several practices that were just a couple hours long, you know, a little over an hour. So I think the practice times are shorter. And I think so much of this, Jimmy, has been taken out of the coach's hands and put into the medical staff's hands of, okay, where all these devices, heart rate, whatever, all these mechanisms that can gauge you know, player activity and where they're at and when they start to drop off and make sure if you're only out there for 70 minutes or so, you're getting a good, effective 70 minutes in there. And to me, it kind of makes sense because when you think about it, you're out there for 70 minutes in a first half and then you go to halftime and you take a break and you come back out there and do the same thing. So um, I would say a little bit shorter practices, maybe a little bit quicker pace. Those would be my observations. Physically, though, it's the same song and dance that we've seen for the last few years in the NFL. Guys, I mean, you're not full on tackling. You're not doing any of that. And the Bears, it was the same thing with them last night. So along the lines of the injury front, we know that Jannard Avery, Ashton Doolin going to be out for the season. That Those are blows to the depth, obviously. But then we look at some of these guys, all pros, JT, Shaq Leonard. Do you 
worry at all about Shaq missing his first practice. And then to piggyback off that, JT, yeah. you know, fifth straight practice, he just wasn't there. So I guess where you are on those two fronts. Yeah, I guess I'll start with Taylor, James. I mean, I, I didn't think he'd practice this week. I don't think he'll practice next week. So now that puts you two weeks out from the regular season opener. Mm-hmm. Two weeks out for a dude that hasn't been on the field in nine months is majorly concerning, let alone a guy. And, James, you were in many of those media scrums last year. Jonathan Taylor, I think there were times where he pulled the reins back on himself late in weeks last season. Mm -hmm. And now you throw the contract situation on top of that. I wouldn't have said this, obviously, a month ago, but now I'm like, does he open the season on the pup list? Does he stay on the pup list? He's on it now. If he stays on it, he missed the first four games. That, to me, is like a real question. And, again, it's shocking to say that in in, in a way, but two weeks of practice time, like, that is not a lot. And I get he plays a position that you rotate a lot at, but I I just can't say with confidence that he's going to be out there week one. Um, on, On Leonard's front, I think I've reached a point with him. It's it's gone from the quantity of the reps to the quality of the reps. Yep. The quantity has been damn impressive. I mean, it was even if with him missing last night, uh, extremely impressive what he was able to do through those first twelve practices. But now it's you make twenty million a year. Are you the twenty million a year linebacker? And I know that might sound harsh, but that's the reality of where you're at. And I know you've brought this point up before, James. Leonard's contract, there's an out after this contract, after this season, where the Colts can get rid of him in a much more of a, not a huge financial hit towards the Colts. And again, that's just something you have to live in reality with. So it's a credit to Leonard that he's changed the conversation from will he play to how will he play so early in the month of August. But that's where I'm kind of at with him now. And again, I don't think I've seen all pro yet, which again, that's probably unfair to expect that. But I think that is now something to watch. Obviously, we don't watch camp practice anymore. But I think that's something to keep an eye on the rest of this month and then when the season starts. Walk the listeners through Kevin Bowen with us. Of course, the fans' very own. You can follow him on Twitter at KBowen1070. Of course, our Colts insider on 1075thefan.com. Um, I guess I can say it now, formerly of Kevin and Query, and Ooh. then the debut of the Wake Up Call Man. with KB and Andy getting going on Monday. We'll get into that. I want to save time at the end of the interview to you know, get more thoughts from you on the debut of that new show and the end of an era with you and Jake. But when you are sitting here looking at the Jonathan Taylor situation, and that has come into my mind, the pup list, and if he's going to be on that to start the year, for the listeners that are following this, maybe more on a, there's so much news going on with JT, how do I digest it all? How much of the decision of if he starts the season on the pup or not is Jonathan Taylor? And how much of it is Colts team doctors saying, no, he's he's clear. He, he can be out there. There's no reason for him to be on the pup anymore. Yeah, because it, it's a gray area of gamesmanship so that area. could start to arrive with how this contract dispute is played out. Yeah, J- Jimmy, it's a great question. It's, it's a sad question that, yeah. that it's worthy it of is. being asked, and it shows you how fractured this relationship is that that, that question deserves to be asked. For one, um, let's start with the third quarter tomorrow night. When Jim Irsay gets in that booth with Greg Rakestraw and Rick Venturi, that's when we could get our next Taylor update. So I think we all kind of alert to that. We'll see what the update looks like. But that is a question that I have for Shane Steichen, and James is probably laughing inside knowing how many Jonathan Taylor questions I've tried to throw at Shane Steichen here the last few weeks. But he wasn't made available last night, and the previous day it was kind of cut cut a little short. But that to me is the next question of has he been medically cleared? Because has he been medically cleared, and is he going to practice? I think are two different questions. Yeah. The medically cleared part is by the team. Is he going to practice is – 
the mutual parties both deciding if he's going to practice. And again, that is, I think, an unfortunate element to where we're at right now with this. It's not a slam dunk that when he will be cleared, he will practice. And he's always struck me as an individual that is just hypersensitive to his body. And I know probably all these guys are to a degree, of course. But when you compare him, I think... To other guys in that locker room, to me, he's one of the more, um, again, super plugged in, however you want to describe the attention to detail he puts into his body. So um, that is a question, both of those questions. Has he been medically cleared? Is he going to practice? Those are two different parties probably making the final answer there, but I do think that is very relevant. I'll try to have you back tomorrow night, KB, with the, with the JT question. Because, I, jokes aside, and I do feel like Shane Steichen is in an awkward spot being the one sure. sort of lead guy that has to answer for this every day. However, you paid a lot of money to answer these questions. It is what it is. So you have to answer it at some point. And with each day that passes, I just feel like the rubber's going to meet the road at some point. And if your best player isn't around for whatever reason, you have to address it more than oh, whenever he's available. That's why when we were talking last week about, you know, he said he's going to be back. I was like, okay, that's not a story. And then he wasn't right, back. Right. You know what I mean? So we, yeah. we just story is come off the pup list. Taylor talks. Exactly. say adds more info. Ballard adds more info. However you want to describe it. But, you know, I know it doesn't make for great radio, but I've been trying to, like, map out a calendar for our listeners here over the last couple of weeks. Again, he did not practice this week. Next week, I do not expect him to go to Philadelphia and, yeah. and practice. They only have one practice next week. Right. Tuesday's it. Right. They get on a plane Monday. They play a preseason game on Thursday. They have the joint practice Tuesday. It makes no sense to throw him into the first practice when it's uncontrolled <laughs> against another team. Yeah. So, again. And that team. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, now you're looking at a week from tomorrow. I mean, you're looking at Saturday, whatever that is, the 25th, 26th, where he could possibly make his first practice. Mm-hmm. And that is two weeks out from the season opener. And for a guy, any guy. I'm not just saying Taylor, but I think Taylor's more than, than, than another guy. For any guy that's missed 10 months of action and he's dealt with a, clearly a nagging injury, um, I would say two weeks to make up for 10 months, that's not a slam dunk of him playing week one. No, and if that were to happen, then we know that all of this isn't really related to the ankle. I mean, if that, was, that, that were to happen, if he were to come back like – Hadn't practiced two weeks and you're good. I mean, uh, what do we make of that? So I'm not going to you know, speculate about it, but I do think that's the elephant in the room. But to focus on players who are on the field, KB, what do you think of the way Josh Downs has carried himself, what he yeah. brings to this offense? And I think you were there. He's like, I don't like to be covered. And I'm like, well, yeah, we can tell because you're always getting open. <laughs> so what do you think of just his, uh, his flavor he brings to this offense? Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge Notre Dame football fan, so I watched a little bit of Josh Downs' ACC North Carolina matchups. And, I mean, he was dynamic in college, and I think he's lived up to that here in the NFL. I think what you like about the pairing with him, probably two things. One, he compliments the room. You know, I remember always saying this around draft time. I think wideout's a need, but I don't think it's the power forward wideout. I think it's the point guard wideout. They've got the power forwards. Pittman and Pierce are those guys. The point guard is downs. The shifty, in and out of your break, third and four, I make one cut, and now I've created a little bit of separation, and boom, the window's there. The other thing that I think is advantageous about downs, his strength, James, is where Anthony Richardson is not strong. It's in that shorter to inter- intermediate throws. Now, downs is not a big target in those areas. Areas, but he creates a big window because he gets open so often. Right. So that should be enticing to Richardson, and obviously we know their relationship clearly is, is 
seems to be pretty strong considering their their camp roommates and all of those uh, those things so um, I've been impressed by him I still think Isaiah McKenzie will have more of kind of that gadget role and will still play some slot snaps mm-hmm. but Downs is a guy that I think has been his skill set has been such a thorn in the side of the Colts over the years they haven't really had that so I think it's also kind of eye-opening to Colts fans to kind of see that and be like man this offense has been missing that for quite some time the fan zone Kevin Bowen with us here at the back nine golf and entertainment center as the fan on the back nine continues throughout the afternoon KB you had mentioned in your piece and you've done a great job throughout training camp on 107.5thefan.com with your notebooks. You had mentioned what the Bears are planning on doing with Justin Fields this weekend and already having been announced that he is not going to be the starter. You had mentioned, again this wasn't like a statement that you were saying, this is what's going to happen, but you were speculating, well, you know what Shane Steichen going to wind up doing with his rookie quarterback. I know that you feel the same way as James and I do, but as long as he's able to be there and it's still with some of the ones on the other side of the field, I would like to see him for, I, mean, I don't know, a quarter? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. At least yeah. to, to keep that trend going. I don't know about the third preseason game, but at least the second one, as long as there's ones on the other side of the field, I want to see AR. You know, I, again, I, maybe there's unwritten preseason rules where you don't play the starters, but you were a 4 win football team with a new head coach and a 13 you know, starter guy at, at quarterback. Fields has every right to sit out. Yeah, I, I just don't think you're in a similar boat to other teams yeah. with, with how your operation has gone. Fields is in the same offense. like, And, you know, you can make the argument, whatever, Fields, it was a little dink and dunk. But last night he was, you know, eight for eight in a red zone period. You know, Anthony Richardson is not doing that. So um, that's why I think he should play. And there are just little, like, elements to playing the game that are different than, you know, what he did in college. You know, I made the analogy earlier today. We all watch college football. Well, watching college football and watching offenses right now in college football, you look over at a board on the sideline, you see SpongeBob, Beyonce, (laughs) you know, Biden and a bag of Doritos, and you're supposed to like decipher that and, you know the next one's like okay you're taylor swift and trump and you know whatever like like that's how offenses are run now and that's how the quarterback and the and the other 10 guys in the field that's how they learn what the play is right well that's not the nfl i think everybody's seen the clip now or at least it's starting to go viral Tua uh at one of his press conferences with the dolphins the other day he read out loud what a play call was for the for him and the dolphins and he tried to have the media repeat the play call after he said it. And, and you know, it's very difficult to, to do that. That's real life. Yeah, they highlighted like, that quarterback a ton, too, in the Netflix stop. Yeah, they yeah, would have uh-huh. them go through that in a whole section. You ask me. I'm built different. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I feel like, again, it's opportunities like that that, to me, are so beneficial right now. It's not just the fact that you're playing quarterback and you don't have the red jersey on, but it's him in a huddle. It's him having to call the plays. It's a big play happening. And then him, let's say he has a 35-yard run. He's out of breath. He's got come back to the huddle and he's got to call the play again you know it's just those things I think he needs to get used to and again you just shed that red jersey he doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to be a lot different like just personality when the red jersey's off mm-hmm. but we watched him scramble last night and James I thought last night might have been one of his more active running nights it's hard to totally judge what those runs are like would somebody have tackled him would he have been as willing to run yeah. or is he running because he doesn't have the or he does have the red jersey on so um, I think around a quarter I think the same thing should be there on on Thursday night uh, but it, it's, it's just weird that the Colts have been so quiet and Shane Steichen was so non-committal on it when you know he was clearly willing to announce he's the starter you know a month before the season starts whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
KB, you're a baseball guy, so that in mind, what tips do you have for Anthony Richardson to learn how to slide? Because I have not <laughs> seen – no, he's not going to slide in practice or anything right. like that. But I don't know if sliding has been – put into his mind enough I'm just curious to know I'll ask him next time we talk to him like do you know how to slide properly and how much are they teaching you that because one of the things about him and being a great athlete is you have to still know when to fold them sure when to uh-huh. you know when to not take that hit yeah, yeah so yeah third and three taking a hit versus first and ten taking a hit first quarter versus fourth quarter you know those are all different scenarios um you to your point, I have not seen him slide. I don't, you know, didn't see much at Florida either. And I know you weren't on the beat at the time, but that was a huge issue with Andrew Luck. Um, it's that he wouldn't slide, and when he did, it looked like the most awkward thing you could imagine. I mean, I remember at one point, I think the Colts like official Twitter account like tweeted at the Indianapolis Indians like, "Hey, could you help our guy out here in, in, in sliding?" And I'm thinking, I think they're kind of serious with with that statement. And that was something I was talking about earlier earlier today. And I, no, we're up against it a little bit, but two things I think we're going to have a ton of gray area with Richardson this year. One is him running, and, and that can be gray area for any running quarterback. I know Buffalo Bills fans feel it with Josh Allen all the time. There are plays where Buffalo fans look at it and say, Josh Allen running the football is our best play. But again, it's that balance of risking injury, all of those things. So that is obvious gray area. The other gray area, and we saw it last night on a pass attempt to Alec Pierce, James, I think we're going to have issues where the old saying of if you get your hands on it, you got to catch it. I don't think that applies to Anthony Richardson throwing balls because he throws it so darn fast. <laughs> and there are times where it's like Alec Pierce last night at 6'4", if he's 5'10", he might not even get his hands on that ball. And so, like, just because he gets his hands on it doesn't mean he, you know, he, yeah. he should catch that. And that, I think, is going to be an issue for Richardson and just throttling that velocity down when it's needed. And then just us saying, should he have caught that? Are you counting that a drop? Is right. it, you know, that I think is just another little gray area with this game. Multi-layered question on my end, at least my last question. And then James, he has one more, then we'll, we'll get you out of here. But I had a little prelude to this before you came over, and then my second question of the day was, it's the end of an era of Kevin and Query, and now we're transitioning over on Monday to the wake-up call with KB and Andy. Your, me- your memories, emotions of it all, I know it's a quick two years, but like just what that chapter of your radio career overall was like, what you're most looking forward to with the wake-up call work with Andy and obviously Mark coming back along for the ride. And then the most important one that I know you asked Derek Schultz, and this is for both of us, since we're in the company side of things, uh-huh. uh, advice working with Jake. Well, <laughs> the advice working with Jake is I would say let's go to the bar and let's, and let's, <laughs> let's stay there for about six hours so I can, I can empty it all. Um, I guess I'll start with Andy. Uh, I've heard great things uh, from people in Louisville about him. Uh, his energy is through the roof. I think he's super knowledgeable, so I'm really looking forward to, to involving that um, with us. And I think from a station standpoint, you know, moving Jake and getting that brain to sleep in a little bit more in the morning uh, probably probably makes some, makes some sense as well, and I'm happy for both of you to get the chance to, to work with him. Uh, I'm going to miss him a lot. I think he's a very different style than I am, and I think he's really helped me, not only as a radio host, but as someone that, like, I've always been very prideful of growing up in this market, and I've always felt like I have immense amount of respect for living here and everything that comes with it. Jake takes it to, takes it to another level, and it's kind of helped me open my eyes to that. Um, and I've always said this about Jake, and hopefully he's out there 
trying to attempt to play golf and not listen to this, but <laughs> he's got an unbelievable brain, but he's got even a bigger heart. And, and that is something that I think is genuine and real, and I love that about him. And I think we're very fortunate to have that on our station. And, yeah. and frankly, to have his presence in this market, uh, boy, that is a wild brain. And, and corralling that for three hours and trying to keep that on the tracks. My dad teaches driver's ed. I felt like I was a driver's ed teacher <laughs> at times with him. But um, I know, I think it's, again, it makes a lot of sense. I'm excited for, for Monday, but I will miss Jake because, again, he is one of a kind. And um, I do feel like we had a nice uh, nice balance going. Pop quiz still saying, surely, right? Pop quiz is staying. Okay, good, good, I believe good. so, yeah. Scotty Johnston keeping that for us. <laughs> That's good. That's so good. my last one, since we have all these new things going on, have you got your blazer picked out for your first pregame at Lucas Oil Stadium with Wish TV? Well, that's funny you say that. I'm actually I'm off to a little bit of a Wish TV photo shoot after this. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I, I don't have an. I don't have a Zach Kiefer type wardrobe, and that's who I am taking over for, if you will. And so I said to my wife last night, like, Maddie, does this, does this look good? Um, so yeah, I, I might need to invest in a little bit there, but uh, seeing how. You took a picture of me when I was wearing a Joel Erickson. Uh, what do you call that? A Brewers like beater that Cut I was off, wearing. Yeah, there, I thought so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll probably look a little different when the first wish hits. So nothing tomorrow night, thankfully. But when, when the when the season gets around on September 10th, we'll uh, we'll have some pregame. We'll have some on Monday evening as well. Can we get a side by side? I love the bowling cover photo on Twitter. But can we get a side by side of your long time WTHR or, or whichever that network hit was that was your profile pic for? so long that was with your me. first hit can, can we get that side by yeah. side on the cover photo I, I might have to have colleen bow and my my mother whip with that up because that was a cousin's wedding picture that was the old picture that wow. i had 20 year old me and i'm such a visual guy i don't know if you guys are this way on twitter i didn't want to change it because oh, yeah. i'm such like a visual recognition person. i don't know if you guys are it. this way about it but like when you change your twitter profile i just keep scrolling if and it shows you i'm addicted to twitter if <laughs> if, if i'm not like checking that and i'm like oh yeah who is who is this person there so yeah for jimmy cook i will get a side by side of that because the hairs have fallen out and they've gotten a little grayer over the years i i, I wasn't trying to take you down that no, path. No. No, no, no. I'm just saying. And to be honest with you, some of it is working with Jake for the last 21 months, and some of it is being the father to two kids under three. Well, congratulations again on everything, KB. We're looking forward to the wake-up call with KB and Andy. I'm glad Mark is long for the ride as well. Yeah. Love seeing your continued growth here at The Fan, and, and I'm looking forward to this next chapter, my friend. Thanks, boys. I always enjoy these Friday chats. Can't wait to keep them going into football season. Yeah, looking forward to that as well. He's Kevin Bowen again, the host of The Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. New morning show here on The Fan, and, of course, you can find all of his work on 107.5thefan.com. He is the Colts insider for us here on The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Still here at the back of nine for the fan golf outing, raising money for the Heart Association, which is always good because I have a big heart, you got a big heart. Mm-hmm. Got to keep them healthy. And now we'll move on to, I guess, uh, <laughs> football topics where maybe they're not always worried about each other's feelings and hearts because it was contentious yesterday throughout practice. So, chippy. Um, we'll get the Bears' perspective on that from none other than Courtney Cronin, IU alum, Bears reporter for ESPN. Courtney, how you doing? I'm great. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. I mean, I'm doing better than some of the guys yesterday who got in little scrums and had too much testosterone going. But as far as the football goes, I'll start with Justin Fields because I've likened him and his skill set and maybe his, his path to Anthony Richardson. 
What do you think of the way he's commanded this, you know, this Bears offense throughout those two days of joint practice and then going into, I believe, year three? Yeah, I think that it's been up and down at points, and that's expected, but he is in the second year of this offense with the same play caller and has some upgrades around him on the offensive line and at wide receiver. So the growth you're seeing from him and what you saw in these two joint practices are a lot of what we've seen the last couple weeks in training camp and going back to the spring during OTAs and minicamp. But I... I take there's some there's some good to take away there's some not so good to take away and we know that he's not going to be playing in the preseason game tomorrow night against Indy but I don't think that that precludes him from being active the rest of the preseason in their finale against Buffalo he's got a ways to go and there's signs that show you he's trending in that direction but he still needs these reps and what Matt Eberflus told us yesterday is that the work that he felt the first team units were able to get in were enough to tell you, all right, put them on ice for this weekend. Let's get the backups, try to figure out the back, the back half of this roster, what that's going to look like as far as depth. And that's, a, that's a, it's an approach that a lot of teams take, but I don't think that it means Fields doesn't have still a ways to go in this preseason so they're comfortable with him in week one. Yeah, I was going to piggyback off of that. How much do you think he's – taken a step forward since you know his entrance into the NFL and then how much do you think adding skill players like DJ Moore around him will help some of that development that he's on because he has the dual third capability you know obviously the high expectations in Chicago but I, I don't know if he was behind the eight ball because last year he just didn't have talent around him I felt like yeah I mean there's it's a noticeable jump from where he was at this time last year where their receiving core around him was you know, slim to none, and you and you were just trying to find guys to fill roles if you're Luke Getze. What Justin's accomplished in the last 12 months is is showing you he's going in the right direction, but I think the jury's still going to be out to see can you put it all together because they made the right investments this offseason. They followed the model that Philly did with Jalen Hurts last year by going out and getting him A.J. Brown, giving him a true number one threat in his third season. And the parallels between those two, I think they're more parallels than they are apples to apples about, hey, he's going to make the same MVP level chump that Jalen Hurts did in year (laughs) three. I think some of that's overblown and people... You know, from a national perspective, look at that and say, wow, it would be great if Justin Fields can be the next guy in line to do that. It would look different, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility because they have been focusing on different areas of his game that they want to tap into this year. It starts with the quick passing game, which we saw last week against Tennessee. They've been really adamant. I mean, you saw it in the in two of the joint practices where they've been working on screens and getting the ball out quicker, but that also will give him an opportunity to get the ball downfield to playmakers like DJ Moore and Cole Komet over the middle. Like there's there's a lot to like about what they're doing. I think that though if you are someone looking at this to see how does it actually come together in games, you won't know yet because the game speed, the stuff that they were able to generate in those practices and I think that they really benefited from, you know, having being able to do certain things in in, um, in the two joint practices that aren't on tape. Remember, when, when these joint practices happen, like the 25-minute period that we had during Move the Ball yesterday, 
tape of that does not go out to other teams. It's not like preseason games where the All-22 is available and teams can see how you're utilizing personnel and guys down the roster. That's really good for both the Colts and for the Bears to try to tap into things. And what they're trying to do with Justin Field is put him in those situations so they can gauge where he is and what they need to work on. ESPN Radio and ESPN Chicago's Courtney Cronin. Nice enough to take some time with us here on the Fan Midday Show. Whether the comparisons are fair or not, they're inevitably and already have been going to be drawn between Justin Fields, where he's at entering year three, and Anthony Richardson's track for what he's going to be in the National Football League. It feels like from afar, Courtney, that this is, at least in the Bears' eyes, kind of a make-or-break year for Fields. And we always talk about, well, what is fair? What is enough time to know if a rookie quarterback and an and, and experienced quarterback after their rookie season can make it in the NFL. In your mind, maybe not the Bears front office mind, but in your mind, is three years enough time in today's NFL? Most times not. And I think that, but like the front offices are put in situations where they have to have an idea. They can't wait much longer than that because with first round talent, there's a fifth year option you have to consider by May of 2024 for Justin Fields. And they're sitting on that extra first round pick that they got from Carolina in the trade for the number one overall pick. So if they don't feel confident about a guy that they didn't draft, that they have gone all in on and have shown him a big vote of confidence, then then they would have no choice but to like look beyond next, you know, look beyond what they have right now and think about potentially somebody else at that position. Now, I think they've put him in a good situation where he's going to have enough tools around him to show you that he's grown as a passer, that he can be a franchise quarterback. I don't think you need to know dead set he is the franchise guy. He's going to be playing here for ten more years, like a Patrick Mahomes after year three. But you have to show signs that you're on that trajectory if that makes sense. But I will say the one thing that I think the Colts are doing right with Anthony Richardson is something the Bears have gotten wrong the last two times they've had, you know, first-round talent at quarterback. With Mitchell Trubisky in 2017, Mike Glennon was there. Like, he didn't, like Trubisky wasn't getting first-team reps in camp. It was up until week five that he was the backup quarterback and not playing. And then with Fields, there was that nonsensical quarterback competition with Nick Foles and Andy Dalton and Justin didn't get any first team reps during training camp. I think the way that the Colts are handling this with Anthony Richardson, you know, it's going to be an up and down year. He's going to have the rookie, the rookie learning curve that he's going to have to master, but you're now able to tailor this to him to show him that this is his offense that he can be okay to mess up in from time to time that he can grow through but he has the vote of confidence and the backing from the front office that drafted him that they're on this journey with him and they want to see him they want to see it through and make it as seamless as possible taking like the political element of that away and that's something the bears haven't done so you know for for a front office in indy that has struggled with the quarterback position the last five years i think it's the right approach the way that they're handling anthony richardson Courtney, I'm curious, standing in that same lane as far as Justin Fields, Anthony Richardson, how have you seen Justin Fields handle the spotlight aspect of it? Now, obviously, he played at Ohio State, was under scrutiny for a very long time before that, but when you get to the NFL level, how do you think he's handled the ups and downs that come with you inevitably being, you know, asked over and over again, you know, about a play or a throw or a game-winning, you know, play or, or a game-losing play? How has he kind of embraced all of that? 
I mean, you're in a place in Chicago where they haven't had a franchise quarterback that they could hang their hat on since Sid Luckman like a very long time ago before like this version of the NFL existed. So I think that's a massive responsibility that not everybody can handle. And Justin, having been such a high-profile recruit, he's had cameras around him. Remember like that QB1 series that he did when he was in high school, like he's been in this limelight for a while. So he knows what comes with that. And the way that I think he's handled the questions of, is he the guy? Will the team move on from him this offseason? And in knowing that you're never going to win everyone over entirely, but to be like, uh, there's a lot expected from somebody like him when you are in that position. And if it doesn't go well, the questions are fair because you know, this is a franchise that is starved for finding a quarterback. They haven't had a 4,000-yard passer, and they're the only team in the NFL to have that blemish. They've been around for 103 years. I think that Justin Fields knows everything that comes into this job and what's resting on his shoulders this year to get it right. And I don't know if everybody could handle that, but he seems like he is built in a way where he's able to stay pretty level with it and and not get frustrated with bad games, bad outcomes of plays. I mean, you've seen it in camp. Everything hasn't been perfect. There have been times, even the last couple of days in Indy, where his protection wasn't great, somebody ran a wrong route, yet they kept it moving. Not everybody is built to handle it that way. And that's why I think it's like, you know, you look at these NFL quarterbacks, they truly are the one percenters in the way that they handle expectations and just like a mountain of things that a normal person would not be able to. And and that's why you're able to compete at such a high level, despite, you know, every day probably feeling like a battle to maintain your position and, you know, to fight through a lot of the things that have gone wrong for this team in the past. Courtney, from the national side of things, you know as well as anybody the deterioration of value, particularly at the negotiating table for running backs in this league over the last four or five years. Uh, What do you make from your standpoint, both as a Bears beat reporter, but also with your national role with ESPN, of how things have played out this summer with Jonathan Taylor? I'm not surprised um, because this this is a day and age where you have a devaluation of the position. It's not, you know, it's, I don't think this is going to change by the time the next CBA comes around. So guys like Bijan Robinson, who, you know, are the next in line to be the next Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, very talented offensive weapon that just happens to have running back attached to his name. I don't know if he's going to benefit from that. It's going to take owners and the NFL the Players Association coming to the table and, what you've heard from Jim Mersey is that they owners don't want to do that. They feel like what they put through in 2020 with the CBA is what should stand. And I don't, I'm, I'm surprised by how much he said the quiet part out loud, but I'm also not because Jim Mersey is not a shrinking flower. Like he's going to say what he wants. He's the owner of this team, but you know, had they offered Jonathan Taylor a, a deal this spring, even if it wasn't the record-setting money that, you know, he clearly has his eyes set on, I wouldn't be surprised if he would have taken it. I just think that there's since there's no offer on the table and everything is looking towards this being a franchise tag season for him next year, I can't fault him for playing it out this way and demanding the trade. I just don't know how they're going to... You know, it doesn't feel like either side is close at all. And very clearly, since he hasn't been at practice, you know, that absence is something that grows 
you know, more noticeable day by day. And, you know, I, I, I don't know what the solution is unless, honestly, it would have to be all running backs banding together to say, hey, week 13 of the season or some week where there's, like, playoff positioning on the line that they would all sit out. Like, that's so unrealistic to think that that's going to happen. But these Zoom meetings, these, these you know, powwows that they're having where they're talking about, well, what can we do? You know, the language is right there in the CBA. Unless you can somehow change what the value of a franchise tag is for a running back or change when running backs are eligible for their second contract, this is the situation that you're going to be in, and it's not going to get any better. So, Courtney, another thing I wanted to allude to, I guess, is, is that defense. I know you probably watched a lot of uh, Justin Fields. What do you think of you know, that Colts defense and, and maybe some of the things that they were able to uh, – do as far as you know I think Nick Cross had a, a tip for an interception yesterday to EJ Speed how do you think they you know because I guess here in Indianapolis a lot of the concern is are, are they going to be okay on the back end but what was your impression of that defense and just some of the things that they were able to do yeah I mean it, the noticeable thing is that you know Shaq Leonard wasn't playing yesterday and of course DeForest Buckner's out and I know that they've been hit with a couple of different injuries and that's that's tough because you can't really gauge the strength of how good your defense is, but they were still able to get pressure on field. So I think some of that is, you know, what do we, what do, what is a syndicated sack more or less versus the pressure that you see from, you know, defenses in, in training camp. They were able to get the better end of some of these matchups, especially during the team period, the last two days. And I, and I think that's a good sign, but I don't, I don't know how much you can take away when this group is not completely at full strength. And frankly, I honestly thought that it was the Bears secondary that was setting the tone for these training camp practices that, you know, everybody was having to rise to that level because they've been very adamant. They want to have that swagger. They want to trash talk. They want to be in your face about it. And that's, I felt like that really did set the tone for the entire two days of joint practices where, you know, defenses can, can kind of play off each other with that and, and having that sort of mentality when they're out there. But, you know, there's, there's some good plays, and I think that there were some moments that, you know, frustrated Justin Fields and frustrated the pass protection, too, because they were down so many starters, which uh, played out the last two days. Courtney, one of the guys that the Bears added, obviously, was Unique Ngakwe. He was here last year in Indy. What do you make of just that addition and maybe what he can bring to that defense? We know here that he's a sack guy, but there's a reason he wasn't brought back here. So why do the Bears think that, you know, it might work out better over there? I mean, their pass rush is terrible. And I think that you have to be able to pressure the quarterback to be good in the NFL. And they didn't do that last year. They in Atlanta were terrible at it. And that's why they were bottom in the league. And that's why Atlanta this offseason went out and made the additions that they made. And the Bears waited until two weeks ago to sign Unique Ngakwe. And I think it was a smart signing because it's a one-year deal. Most of it's guaranteed. So for Ngakwe now at 29 years old, I know he's his fifth team since 2020. That whole mentality of it's a prove-it deal, it's not a prove-it deal, doesn't matter at this point because I think when you are so concentrated as a pass rush specialist, like that's the that's what you get known for. And I know that he's had you know some missed tackles here and there, and playing the run, frankly, isn't a strength of his. But he can add a lot to this unit because their pass rush was but not good last year. And to know what the personnel was before he got here and now the Bears feeling more confident that they have 
a, a fortified um, a fortified group of edge rushers because he's going to be in there and he's going to be wreaking havoc. There's a reason that he's been considered one of the best pass rushers in the NFL the last couple years. And if it works out for him where he's able to be part of this team and you know build with them instead of just being here as a one-year rental more or less, then I then I think it could work out for him having a place to finally call home after you know Minnesota, Baltimore, Vegas, and Indy, and now Chicago. She's Courtney Cronin of ESPN and, of course, Chicago Bears reporter for ESPN. You can hear him as well on ESPN Radio and here on ESPN 1000. But Courtney, I know we'll probably talk to you a handful of times throughout the course of the regular season, but, but not as emphatic as we would if we were in the Chicago market. So as you look at everything we've talked about, what's in front of the Bears, where is the floor and the ceiling for this group in 2023 with Matt Eberflus? I think the floor has to be about, it's kind of around the same area. So I think the floor for this team, seven wins. The ceiling's probably, you know, maybe 10. And that's a really high ceiling. Like, I, I think they're a seven-win team. And that's not a bad place to be going. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. From 3 and 14 to 7 and 10, because you're building methodically towards a division title. Right now, the NFC North is as wide open as it's been in 30 years because of what's gone on in Green Bay, where Minnesota is that's kind of the tail end, trying to run this thing through one more time before they likely have to start over at the quarterback spot. And, you know, Detroit will be interesting to see what they do. But I think the Bears are not trying to rush into, hey, there's a window right now. We've got to force it through and make signings that – you know, are are more boom than bust or making decisions with the roster that would lead you to believe they're going all in for a year where nothing feels guaranteed. I think a 7-8 win season, those are realistic expectations for this team. If they win the division, I mean, I'm happy to eat my words at that point. I don't see it happening, though, right now. They're building towards it, and they've been very honest about their plan to build towards sustained success in the league, which is something that you just – you frankly don't get all that often the flexibility and the long leash that Ryan Poles and his staff have in the front office to execute this rebuild the way that they see fit, which is to do it differently than the last staff, because if the last staff had done it right, they'd still be employed and they're not. So I think that that plays into what they want to do, but you know, the seven, the floor ceiling is maybe separated by like three wins. I know some, some analytics will tell you differently, but I do think seven wins should be right around the sweet spot for this team this year. Well, Courtney, I'll have you know my entire family just yelled when you said seven wins because they're going to the Super Bowl after that <laughs> preseason opener that they saw. But um, thank you for coming on, and thank you also for your tweet about roundabouts, which is so true when it comes to Common <laughs> Westfield. Um, you know, I- I'm sure you won't miss those in Chicago, but good luck the rest of this season. I'm sure we'll talk soon. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks, Courtney. All right, that was Courtney Cronin of ESPN, covers the Bears for them. Still here at the back nine in Indy for the fan golf outing, raising money for the American Heart Association. Our guest here knows a little bit about football, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Brooks, former Colts wide receiver. Bill, how you doing? I'm doing well. Good to be here with you guys. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, no problem. Man. So I'll start at the top. Obviously, all the talk about this team is the quarterback, Anthony Richardson. You've been around the game a long time. 
what is it like to see him operate in person and then also have that heartwarming personality to go along with it? It's unusual to see that for a guy like as young as Anthony is, as far as a guy that's so poised, uh, so laid back. But he's confident, but not, he's not cocky. You know, he knows that he doesn't know everything and he wants to learn. He wants to be coached hard. And he has the, physically, he has unbelievable talent. And to see that is usually un, is, is un, unusual for a quarterback, especially a guy that young. So the way he's handled it thus far, coming in and being poised and being under control and not getting rattled when things don't go well on the football field for him uh, is unique to see for a guy that young in the National Football League. And then from your perspective, how have you seen the quarterback position shift over the years? Because, <laughs> I mean, when you were playing, it was, it was, you know, pocket presence, precision, where now pretty much every quarterback has to be able to run at some, you know, point. And he's obviously going to be one of the, you know, projected to be one of the better runners in the NFL. Yeah, it's changed quite a bit since I played. Um, like you said before, it was the pocket pass of the guy that dropped back and, you know, the Tom Brady's look, look down the field, throw the ball, and, and Roger Starbacks and things of that nature, even before my time. So it's been that way for quite a while. Now with, I think, you're seeing it change because right now the quarterback is usually the best athlete on your team. Now when you have the best athlete on your team that can run and throw as well, um, you can do different things with them. And so it, it opens up the offense a lot more. And then you, you see that with the college game. You saw that in high school where people say, hey, okay, we've got a quarterback that can run. We've got a quarterback that can throw also. So we're going we're gonna to put these guys into an offense that, uh, you know, makes their talent shine even more so that they can run and do the things that they need to do. So it's, it's neat to see that trans, transfer into the National Football League now as far as time has changed. Now you're having a run quarterback that can run and throw and put defenses on the heels a little bit. You know, you have Lamar Jackson and guys like that. So it makes, it, uh, it makes the game interesting, a little different. You're throwing the ball a little bit more. So for receivers, of course, we love that as far as throwing the ball a little bit more. So it's, uh, it's neat to see. Former Colts wide receiver, Colts Ring of Honor member, and of course, part of the Colts radio network, Bill Brooks with us here on the Fan Midday Show. Bill, I'm not trying to have you back in my day us. I realize that's the setup <laughs> to this question, but there's been a couple articles going around through training camp from different spots around the league of the intensity and in different areas, is it more intense or less intense from your perspective when you played versus what training camp is like today how, how vastly different are those two animals it's, it's, it's vastly different <laughs> and, and y'all so not, not, not so much about as far as intensity and things like that but i think it's very intense the practices just you don't have as many of them now you know we we, we uh when i played it was you practice two days and uh, we would go two days on monday two days on tuesday two days on wednesday have that evening off, come back and do two days Thursday, possibly two days Friday, two days Saturday, have Saturday evening off and come and, uh, and Sunday off, and then come back and do it all over again. Now it's different, but I, I think, actually, to be honest with you, I think it's better now as far as how they're handling training camp, how they're going out to practice. So I think you don't need all, I don't think you really need all that pounding and beating on your body so much in training camp to get, regular, get ready for the regular season. I think you could do it the way they're doing it now. And I, I, I like the way they're doing it now. And I think it's better for the, the game itself. And I think it's definitely better for the players. Yeah, I don't know if you had the, like, mushroom tops, as I call them. <laughs> no, <laughs> the we guardian have, helmet. We didn't, we didn't have mushroom tops. Some people call them the gazoo helmets and stuff like that. So, no. No, we didn't have those things. One of the players who 
obviously everyone is high on is Josh Downs, wide receiver. What type of feel do you think he adds to this wide receiver room just being a shifty and um, I call it like an emergency break where he's able to hit the emergency <laughs> break, you know, whenever he wants to to get open. Yeah, I, I think having that slot receiver that has quickness, has speed, that can get open, that understands how to run routes in the slot, which is not easy to do. He has all those qualities um, in him, and he, he shows a lot of confidence <laughs> out there, and he should be because he's a, he's a good ball player. Um, I look for him to do a lot of good things. I mean, when he's that quick and you have an understanding of where the weak spots are in the defense as far as depending on they're playing zone or man, and he could find those weak spots, you can get him the ball early in space with his quickness and speed. He could be very, 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 very powerful in that sense as far as helping your offense out to make those explosive plays. So I look for him to do a lot of good things, as well as Isaiah McKenzie. I think another yes. guy in the slot that I think if you watched practice this past week, you saw him catch a ball and make some moves and, and break a, a long one. So those are the things you're looking for. You have a young quarterback. Let the quarterback get the ball out of his hands quick, get it to the playmakers, to Josh Down, to uh, the McKenzie's, guys like that. Get the ball in their hands and let them run and go with it, and then they can make big plays. And those could be your explosive plays. You make a six-yard pass, and it's a 40-yard gain. So that's a 40-yard pass for, for, <laughs> right. for the quarterback. So that's a big play. Speaking of impact players on offense, for Michael Pittman Jr., he's not going to make excuses for himself, but I've been willing to give him the benefit of he's having to work with a revolving door of quarterbacks the last couple of years and no more crazy than what he went through last year. It is a contract year for him, though. How important is the opportunity in front of Pitt this season? Well, I, I think he has opportunities for him for him to show what he can do as he has in the past years. I mean, he's been there for them. He's been very consistent for the team, catching the ball, making big plays, being the physical presence out there as far as from a wide receiver standpoint to be physical with the defensive backs, catch those tough balls over the middle, around 10 yards, 5 yards, and he's there and make those big first downs. So I expect him to pretty much do the same thing this year, make the big plays when needed, especially on third down to keep the chains moving. So I expect a lot from Pitt. And he, he's pretty much, he's a, he's a senior statesman for the <laughs> wide receiver room right now. He's only you know, going to his fourth thought. year. It's really a crazy thought, yeah. <laughs> what has it been like to see Reggie Wayne take on the coaching role and embrace it even more, I think, going into year two. Because he said he had unfinished, unfinished business. Now, this is a guy who doesn't have to do this. I think that he could do anything at this point. He'd still be loved in Indiana because of what he did for the franchise, you know, winning a championship and potential Hall of Fame career. But what has it been like from your perspective to see a guy who loves it so much as a player now love it, it looks like, just as much as a coach? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a lot of players don't want to go in coaching because it's coaching is a lot of hours. I mean, long, long hours. But Reggie is that individual that he loves the game of football. He loves teaching the game of football, teaching to younger guys as far as that's concerned. And I think Reggie is enjoying what he's doing as far as going out there coaching and helping the guys reach the next level, helping them reach the potential that they can reach. You know, he made this statement about Josh Downs, what he thought about Josh Downs is months and months ago and, and after the combine. And, you know, it's coming true that Josh Downs is a pretty good player, you <laughs> yeah. know. So Reggie has an eye for talent, and Reggie has – 
I think that knack to teach these guys how to be good. And I, I know he can do that because I'm watching the drills that they're working on, the drills to help these guys get better, work with their footwork as far as positioning themselves to run routes, come out of their breaks at the top of the route, create separation, get off the line of scrimmage. All the things you have to work on as a wide receiver, he's teaching these guys those things, and it looks like these guys are improving. So I think Reggie enjoys that. He enjoys the being in the room, bringing around the young guys, I'm sure, and, you know, it uh, helps keep us, us old guys young. But Reggie's not old. I'm not saying that. Don't, please don't tell Reggie that. Reggie's not old. We won't yeah, cut that. Don't no, worry. Yeah, he's, he's a young guy, but uh, I think Reggie's really having a good time coaching these guys. Colts Ring of Honor member Bill Brooks and a proud member of the Colts Radio Network with us here on The Fan. I know you heard some of our conversation with Courtney Cronin a little bit ago, and we asked her about with Justin Fields entering now a third year of opportunity in Chicago and how tough it is to fairly evaluate quarterbacks in a league that is not usually a wait-and-see league. Patience is not usually the verbiage that you hear from ownership and from front office members alike. I'm not asking you to map out what Anthony Richardson's going to be, but when you look at today's NFL and the level of patience that Jim Irsay may be willing to, to give, what is a fair evaluation period for a rookie quarterback? Is three years enough? Wow, that's, that's a tough question. I, I, really, I really couldn't answer that. I think it, it depends on the situation, each team's different. Sure, yes. Depends on the situation. What do you have around the quarterback? Uh, how's the offensive line? What is your defense like? I think all those things come into play as far as you saying, what's, what's the runway as far as how long you're going to give the guy to develop or not? And so uh, it all depends on the team, I think. Every, every team's going to be different. Chicago's different than yeah. Indy, so it's going to be different at Houston as well. Um, with Stroud and those guys. Yeah. So it's, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be different. It's going to be different with Bryce Young and Carolina. So it's going to be different for all the guys. I think depending on uh, the players you have around them. So I like Anthony Richardson. I like the upside. Yeah. I like the potential. I think from a physical standpoint, he's off the charts. Yeah. He's, he, it's just... It just amazes me when watching practice. And, James, you've been up to practice uh, every day. Watching him just flick the ball, it's just amazing. Yeah. And I say flick because it seems like a flick out of, his, yeah. out, out of his hand and how tight the spiral is. That's what I'm looking at. I was yeah. looking at how tight the spiral is, which makes it easier for the receiver to catch the ball. When you have a tight, tight spiral like that, and you can concentrate on the point of the ball, um, he's... He's special. Well, James and I talk about it all the time that you're right. Every situation is going to be different. But at a minimum for him, he shouldn't be fearful of a hook appearing from behind him. He he, he needs to not be afraid to make mistakes and use this to truly grow, which is what the Colts want out of it at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely want him to grow. And I I hate to say that, you know, by him making mistakes, he's going to learn faster. You know, instead of sitting sitting on the bench, watching someone else make a mistake and learn from that. The best way I learned, to be honest with you, I remember one time running a route and it was um, it was zone, and I thought I was man, and I ran through the zone and I got smacked in the face. So pretty much I go down, I said, okay, next time, you know what? I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna read it and make a proper read so I won't get smacked in the face. You know what? I had to learn the hard way. But sometimes those are things that make you learn, you learn a little bit faster. I think by him getting out there, getting the reps, getting the experience, the more reps he gets, the better off he will be. And long term, I think it's going to be better off for the coach. You literally learn the hard way. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those, those DBs, are, DBs and linebackers were, weren't, weren't uh, saying, oh, you know what, you made a mistake, we'll let you go by. No, they, they were making me pay for it. I said the rules were a little bit different back then, too. You get a little more protection now. Yes. Um, when you look at the way Shane Steichen has commanded this team and, and, and given them a different feel, how much do you think he's been just 
helped, I guess, or, or helped develop a guy like Anthony Richardson, how vital do you think it is to have a coach who has done it before and yes. has had that, that experience of bringing a quarterback along, along and helping him reach you know, his potential? I think it's important for having a guy like Shane Steichen as your head coach and has worked with other young quarterbacks before and brought them along with Jalen Hurts, Herbert at, at San Diego. So he can do that. He knows, he knows what they're, they're seeing. He knows what they're thinking. He knows what maybe possibly things that are going on in the back of the head that, you know, can I do this or should I do this or whatever? So I think he's making it easier for Anthony as far as to, to make that adjustment and for him to, to read quarterbacks. You, you know, if he's gone through it with Jalen Hurts, he's gone through it with Herbert, so I'm sure he says, you know what, these guys are looking at things this way. This is what I need to do to tailor the offense or tailor this play or tailor the language of our, mm -hmm. our call for the play to this, to this young man. So I think it's beneficial for Anthony to have a guy like Shane that has done it before with other quarterbacks, and they've had success. Yeah. So uh, I'm expecting the same thing out of Anthony Richards and uh, for the offense to have success uh, with the Colts. We know the time at Grand Park is completed this year, but there's still dates on the calendar, including two more preseason games and the joint practices with Philadelphia. If you were to have conversations or when you have conversations with members of this Colts team, well, what's one thing that you would like to see from them? Again, I know it's a very small sample size, but just to be on a, a confident path or a continued confident path between now and week one. Well, I, I like to see them, first of all, you know, like any team, you want to cut down your mental mistakes. You know, the mental mistakes are, are something that you know, is going to hurt you. And, you know, it's going to hurt Anthony Richardson as far as his growth. You know, when you have mental mistakes, you know, you're first and 10, then all of a sudden you make a big play. Oh, no, you had a, a penalty. Then now you're first and 20 or first and 15, whatever it may be. That makes it a little bit different for the young guy. So you want to cut down the mental mistakes. So give this guy an opportunity to actually learn and grow from those things. And I, I want to see him as, as far as a young quarterback to progress as far as to learn things, to get the experience experience, and see, these, and see things, how they're happening out there now. He's going to see some different things. You know, his young quarterback and this, these defensive coordinators get very creative. So they're going to do some things to try to confuse him. So he's going to learn. He's going to make mistakes. It's going to be like a roller coaster ride. It's going to be up. It's going to be down. But I think overall, overall you'll see him progress each and every week, and he'll learn. I think he'll, he'll of course, he'll get better from that. When you look at what Gardner Minshew has meant to his development, the way he's handled it, what is your assessment of him as a man? Because I know it's a lot of players who say those things, but he seems to genuinely mean, I want this guy to succeed. I'm not going to bring him down. I'm not going to pout. And yeah, you know, you teach your kid that, but you don't know <laughs> if you're ever going to be that or really embody that when you get to that age. Because he, he wants to play. Everyone wants to play the game they love. Yeah, Garner, I think Garner's been a, a, a true pro. Um, look, they came in competing. Gardner knew eventually over a long term of time that eventually Anthony was going to be the guy right. as far as quarterback. But Gardner came in to compete. Now, that's good for Gardner to compete because he wants to try to win, but it also makes the guys around him better. You know what? When Gardner's going out there trying to compete, it makes Anthony better because, you know what? Anthony's not having to coast, so to speak, as far as to get to you know, become number one. He has to compete and do the job and do it well and, and work hard, and he has done that. So I think Gardner's helped Anthony in that sense in competing. It's also helping him as far as, hey, look, you know what? Anthony, when you see this look, 
think about this. This is what they're going to do on this play because Gardner's been in this offense for a few years, so he understands the plays that are being called. He understands where their weaknesses are, as far as I should say, where the weaknesses are as far as running a play where he might be in trouble, meaning the, the quarterback. And he can tell Anthony, hey, look, look at this when this happens. So look at this. So he can be a, a good sounding board for Anthony uh, going forward, and he has been thus far this, this offseason and this training camp. Well, Bill, thanks so much for the time. Obviously, I'm rooting for you going into the season as well. Of course. <laughs> Thank you. Enjoy rooting, yourself on rooting, the radio. Rooting for you, all, you guys as well. <laughs> Thank and, you, how many shoes you have now, man? I told you, I got about 35 in the closet, man. I, you know, I, I say I'm going to you know, dwindle them down, give them away. I haven't done it yet, but this there's man, always one that has one of my This eyes. man ha- has more shoes <laughs> than I've seen. Every time I see him out of practice, a different shoe that he has on, a different sneaker, I should say, he has on. I admire that you're breaking them out, though. You're not just letting yeah, them collect no, dust. You're, you're trying to have them. one for every you know, yeah, uh, yeah. touchdown that, that Bill called in his career. So you had about 50 touchdowns in your career, so maybe I'll get in that range. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. But thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for it. making right, some time for us, Bill. Enjoy the season. All right. That was Bill Brooks of, you know, the Colts radio analyst. Also, Riga Von Amenra, also just a good dude overall.